you come up and, uh, and be a part of this? No, you, you, you are part of the Village Green family, aren't you? And uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's really exciting to have you as part of this. Go Thank ahead you. and uh, we can uh, come together and uh, talk a little bit about um, what it is. Now, now we had a uh, psychotherapist the first time and last week, week we had a doctor, uh, a, a, a pastor slash psychotherapist. So we had that. And today, you as a health practitioner have a lot to uh, contribute when it comes to this particular topic. So, um, and I, 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 I want to do something a little different. I don't mean to throw you off. And I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I was struck this morning. I was reminded that, that there are three reasons people will seek out a church. Three reasons. And uh, the number one is they're looking for a home. People who are looking for a place to connect, a place to be part of community, a place where they can say we belong, because people you know, have two basic needs. They want to be loved and they want to feel like they belong. So they'll, they'll seek out a church for, as a home, a place where they're comfortable, a place where they can serve, a place where they, their gifts can be manifested. The second um, reason people would seek out a church is that they're looking for help. And that help can be anything from benevolence to you know, navigating the difficulties of life and gaining wisdom about how to navigate the, wisdom, the, the things of life. Um, and the third thing would be hope. And the church is all about hope. Those are, in my mind, those are the three reasons people seek out a church. And I was really struck this morning when I was reminded of that because what we're doing here this morning, I think facilitates all three for people. You know, um, it, 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 it normalizes something that many people are struggling with and looking for help and trying to navigate it. And, um, and it's, it makes them part of a community, something bigger than themselves. And also it's, it's hopeful what I hope we're doing today. And I think a big part of what you're gonna do today is give people hope. About, I hope about, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't prove me wrong, okay? <laughs> I'll do my best, I'll do my best. Okay, all right, so tell, tell us a little bit about what you do, your practice, and uh, if, for people that don't know. All right, okay. so, uh, so I'm a family doctor, and my practice is out in Ingersoll, so about half an hour away from London. Uh, Ingersoll, as you probably know, is a pretty small place, so we kind of do lots of things there. I've got my family practice, we do emergency work, we look after hospital patients, I do nursing home work and some palliative care, so like a little bit of everything. So family doctors know a little bit about a lot of things, uh, but not necessarily a lot about everything, so I just put that out there. <laughs> I'm not an expert, like the people who have come ahead of me, I feel a little bit like, you know, underqualified in the mental health area, but I'll do my best. Even though you see it every day. Yes. <laughs> yeah, more you see it. And yeah, more. yeah. What's so? Would that be the major thing that you are seeing pr at present? Yeah, I think you know. I enjoy talking to people. I, my life group might be surprised because they don't really hear me speak at life group. <laughs> but I enjoy talking to people one on one, and we do talks. I mean, I'm a family doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist, and I'm not a psychologist or a psychotherapist, but 
we have the privilege that people share a lot of things with us, and so we do talks. And I mean, the a number of talks that I do a day has like increased exponentially. Like last week, the first day of the week, there were like four talks, which is a lot of talks for a family doctor. And then the next day, you know, we had a call, and I added on another talk at the end of the day because people just need to be heard, and and people are struggling. So that's probably been the biggest thing. Yeah. So. Um so the biggest thing has been the struggles, the mental health struggles. Has, has there been any physical struggles added to, to the whole pandemic I season? Think, yeah, I think that you know, mental health struggles can lead to physical struggles. I think that initially when the pandemic happened, like it was eerily quiet in our office. Like people didn't come because people were scared to come. And my practice is located within a hospital and still people are scared to come to the hospital. So, you know, initially we were telling everybody stay home and then they were putting on commercials to tell everybody like, don't stay home, come, come to emergency when you need to come because people were waiting and people were getting more sick and, you know, we weren't hearing about things. So, and I mean, you know, everybody has felt these things. So I was just going to do like a little audience participation. Oh, are you? Oh, okay. Yeah, is that okay? So, oh, uh, so, I'm supposed to be the one throwing the curveballs, not you. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so if everybody, if you're able, put up your hand. Everybody start with your hand up. And I'm going to just go over a bunch of symptoms or things that you might have felt during this pandemic. And if you felt any of these things, then put your hand down. And we'll see, like, are there any hands up? And you can do this at home. Are there going to be any hands up at the end of it? Because I think it's important for people to know, like, we're all in this and, and we're all feeling these things. So here we go. It's a big list. If you felt angry, put your hand down. <laughs> wow, that's like over half the group. Uh, frustrated, exhausted hopeless, isolated, numb, sad, afraid, anxious, disconnected, overwhelmed, uncertain, confused, conflicted, unmotivated, fatigued, impatient, irritated, withdrawn, you felt grief, lack of control, like you're spinning, now everybody's hands are down. Like you're stuck. Yeah, like you're helpless. And there's probably things you know that I've missed, but hopefully that tells you like that was all of us. And my hand would have been up and it would have been down like a long time ago. Um, but so we're all in this and we're all feeling these things and that's totally okay. It's not great that we're feeling these things. It's okay and it's normal. And we're all in it together. And we're all in it, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, Reading a passage out of Psalms, I think, I think a lot of people can, can just witnessing what we just witnessed are sort of feeling this way. You know, Psalm 69, 1 to, 1 to 3 says, Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Um, you know, I know there are times, you know, during this season that I have felt those things. It's funny, I felt all of the above. When you were singing all that list, I was, uh, in fact, I was getting angry that other people had their hand up longer than I did. 
<laughs> I thought if anybody had their hand up at the end. Yeah, I it was like, I was looking out saying, put your hand down or else I'm coming over there, right? You know, <laughs> right? There's no way you lasted this long, right? <laughs> anyway, that's, that's okay. I'm, I'm showing my dark side here. <laughs> how, how do you, you know, in having these talks with people, how is it affecting people's overall outlook on life? I mean, sometimes, you know, there's some good things that have come out of this as well, right? People are banding together, people in communities are looking out for each other, families are slowing down, like I think Pastor Drew talked about, and not being sort of over-scheduled uh, in things and just hanging out. Um, but I think on the whole, probably people's outlook has been more on the negative side. You know, people have become uh, sometimes a bit mistrustful of the media, of the government, of public health, of science. So there's just been a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of uncertainty. But hopefully, amidst all of that, you know, being Christians, uh, we have a different hope. And so we can think about things, you know, like Isaiah. I mean, that psalm is, is so true. And then there's things like Isaiah 41.10, right, that says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Yeah, amen. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I think that's, that's been part of the concern, at least you know, as, as a pastor, is, is just the difficulty I've seen, in, even in the life of Christians. Mm -hmm. you know, And, and that's, that's been really a, um, a difficult thing to kind of navigate in, in my own life. I know I've talked to a lot of people about just how, you know, wrestling with why did God allow this? Why, you know, how, what are we supposed to take out of this? How long is this going to go? Is God not going to bring an end to this? So, you know, all of those things are really, really important. And uh, it just takes the outlook, even of Christians, of, of what future expectations are, sort of to more negative and, and, and being controlled by that. Um, I've, I've asked this of everyone that we've talked to already, but is it okay for us to be feeling like this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, everything that we feel is valid, right? And I think we have to recognize that, and I think we have to acknowledge the things that we're feeling. But I think that then, you know, try and figure out, like, why am I feeling that way? What is it that's doing this? What is it that's bringing on these feelings? And the biggest thing is to remember that, you know, our feelings don't have to control us and our feelings don't, uh, definitely, we don't want to control, uh, let them control our lives or our decisions. Because even pre-pandemic, if you think of any bad decisions you've ever made and think were they made, made with emotion or were they made with sort of thinking, and probably, you know, a really high percentage were, were made with emotion. So feel our feelings and, and don't ignore them and talk about them, but then they're not in control of your life and they don't need to be. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things is that people have questions and people have hesitancy, which is totally understandable because this is new and we're all learning and we're still learning and we haven't gotten everything right and the information has changed and so it has been super confusing. So my biggest thing for people is, you know, I'm going to respect decisions people make for sure, but make your decisions based on good information. And sometimes it's hard to find good information. So, I mean, there's the COVID-19 science table, so that's like really smart people who 
we're putting together all the evidence and giving people recommendations. And you guys can look that stuff up if you're keen to look stuff up online. You can look that stuff up online and see the latest evidence. And you know, NACI, which is the National Advisory Committee on Immunizations, advises Canadians on what they recommend, again, based on evidence. And the Centers for Disease Control is another good place to go. And public health. So I think, you know, ask questions and feel your feels, but then get good information. Are, are those? Web, oh, oh yeah, we have a yeah we have a well, slide. They're not there, but here's some other resources okay. we'll talk about in a minute. Okay, we're going to talk about those in a minute. It's all okay, good. quash that slide, please. It's okay. No, we it's can okay. Stay up all right. There. People all right. might want to write it down. Okay, I remember a long time ago somebody telling me um, who was in the know about these things. But the two biggest purchases the average person ever makes is a house and a car. Okay, those are the two biggest purchases the average person makes. They are always made more by emotion than logic. The house that we buy and the car that we drive is more emotionally driven than logic driven, even though we might make a budget, say this is where we have to live, this is, you know, all of that. But if you see that car that you've always wanted, you know, you can always rationalize to yourself emotionally why I deserve this or why this is the house for me, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when you talk about feelings and validating our feelings, we are far more wired by our emotions to do and make decisions. And I think that's a place where the church needs to recognize as well, because the church has not been great in the past about recognizing how people feel. And we've just said, just pray more about it, or just uh, read the Bible verse, or you know those kinds of things, and totally invalidating the way people are feeling and helping them process so that they see God is working through those feelings and God is working to help them in the midst of the difficulties. And we can be pointing them towards hopeful expectations instead of just disqualifying them altogether. Right. Um, how is technology helping or hurting the problem? Yeah, so, uh, well, I have papers up here. You can see I'm not that techie, but um, some technology has been great. I mean, church has been online, and I think church has been able to reach people who wouldn't come to a service or didn't feel comfortable with that. There are things like the COVID app, which can help you know if you've been around somebody where you might have been exposed. There, for our practices, I mean, we've gone to some virtual appointments and some telephone appointments, something we never did before. And that's great for lots of people who it's hard to get in the office or they're nervous to come in. And I think, you know, people have been able to connect with their families and with their friends through Zoom, even though people got Zoomed out. And kids, although it was really difficult when kids were at home for everybody, but they were still able to do some connection with teachers and teachers could see how they were doing. So there have been lots of great things. And then, I mean, I'm not a huge fan, honestly, of social media. I mean, I use social media, but um, there's just a lot of comparison and a lot of venting and not necessarily a lot of evidence on there. And I think there are more and more studies to say, you know, the more time you spend on social media, it actually sort of increases things like anxiety and depression. So, and then there's like just too much information. You can find information anywhere, but you have to be really careful about the sources of the information and is it good information and true information or is it just, you know, somebody's opinion. And I could go on there and say, well, I'm Dr. Jill and here's my opinion on this. And it might not be based on anything. And then, you know, you shouldn't listen to that. So I think with technology, 
you know, you got to sort of check yourself a little bit. If you've been scrolling or if you've been watching the news constantly, which I was doing at the beginning of the pandemic because it was on constantly, but you got to stop and check yourself and say, you know, am I happier now that I've been doing this? Am I more peaceful now that I've been doing this? Am I in a better place, in a more positive place? And I think if you're not, you know, then, then turn it off. And I mean, you can track your time on your phone. And I, you know, there's a a light that comes off of screens that tells a little gland in our brain that we should be awake. So we really encourage people, don't look at screens, TV screens, computer screens, your phone, a couple hours before you go to bed because people are like, I can't sleep. And you know, this might be why. And if you watch the 11 o'clock news, there's not much good on the 11 o'clock news. So you just see all these terrible things and then you expect to go to sleep and have a great peaceful sleep. And we're like surprised when we're having these nightmares and, and terrible sleep. So there are things you know that we can do. Leave your phone out of the bedroom. Don't have a TV. TV in the bedroom, you know, keep the bedroom for like sleeping and things that should be happening there. I, I think a bunch of us just had an aha moment. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. <laughs> um, okay, as a, as a doctor, what do you see that is missing from the media during this season that would help the average person navigate the pandemic in better ways? Right. So, you know, I'm careful to uh, comment maybe negatively on things that I wouldn't do. I'm not a reporter. I'm not in the media. I'm not in the government. I'm not making decisions. But I think the media is lacking in some science, honestly, because they give you some science, but it's not like the whole picture, right? They give you the big exciting parts or the parts that kind of incite fear in people. And there is truth to the things that they tell you, but it's not, it's hard to get the whole picture so that you can sort of make a good informed decision. I don't, you know, the media is not always balanced in things, even the good and the bad. If you think about, you know, now there's stuff about the election, but at the beginning of the COVID, like, every news station 24 hours a day was playing COVID stuff and they would have, you know, red and black backgrounds and big pictures of the COVID virus particle and ominous music and the ticker t like it was just, it was just bad. Like, you, I don't know how you could feel good after watching that. So, I mean, they have to do what they do and I think that's a part of culture that we don't react to just kind of normal things, right? Everything has to be big and exciting. And so I think that puts them also in a difficult place. So I think if we're looking for just, you know, an even keeled sort of uh, look at things, then maybe they're gonna be able to present that a bit more, so. Yeah, it, it, science can be complicated. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us want the, the kind of the headline. We want the, you know, the, the snapshot type thing. And I think that's been a big problem, just as, as you said. You know, we want we want the highlights. We, we you know we want the the quick reel, but when it comes to science, there's there's just a lot of factors, especially with the complications of the COVID and how it spreads. And we saw you know from the beginning of the pandemic, differing opinions, and and a lot of it was science trying to work out the problem. And that's one of the things that was a real frustration. People would say, well, at the very beginning, they said masks were not important. But that was science doing its job. Right, right. And, and, and a lot of people weren't kind of, you know, tracking with that. And I found that very discouraging. Well, of course, they've done more investigation. They find how, how it spreads, et cetera, et cetera. So they're adding to their knowledge base mm -hmm. and, and, and all of that. So that was, that was a real discouragement because we just want the headlines. Headlines, headlines, and and obviously media 
can sort of move in the direction of the short, quick, um, get your attention right. type of headline. Right. Yeah. So you're in a difficult place as, as a person who you know depends on the, the, the medical science and, and how, how all this works, that it's not always very black and white. Right. Yeah. Very rarely is it yeah. black and white. Very yeah. rarely. But yeah. it's been confusing for people because we've been learning things, so we've been changing recommendations. So. Yeah. yeah. But that's, that's natural science doing right. what, what it does. And, and uh, I, I thought that was encouraging to just see how um, the more they were investigating, there were clear things being communicated. Um, but at the same time, I was really disheartened by the people who would just you know, you said 18 months ago it was this, and it's like, well. It was. It was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, as, as, as a doctor, I know you just said that you're spending a lot of time talking to people, but for, for those of us here, um, what, what would you say if, if for people that are struggling? How, how can we help someone who is struggling at this time? Yeah, so I think, I think the first thing is ask, you know, ask the people, because people don't always tell you when they're struggling for lots of reasons, but I think if you ask people, it's incredible, you'll be surprised at how much people will share with you, and they just want a place really to be heard, and I think, you know, listen to them, and I mean, I'm a, I'm a doctor, so people come in and they tell me things, and I tell them what I think should happen, so as a person, I tend to be like, okay, you tell me something, and I tell you I want to fix it for you, which is not always the thing to do, so I think sometimes people just need to be listened to, and I know that people have talked about empathy and compassion and Brene Brown is somebody who yeah. I think John listens to and I really have come to enjoy as well and she says you know everybody can have empathy and it's like four steps to empathy she says you got to stay out of judgment and especially I think in the time of COVID where there's so many ways that we could be thinking differently than other people but in everything you know stay out of judgment be able to take people's perspective be able to recognize emotion in somebody else and to be able to communicate that understanding. And I think if you can show people empathy, then, you know, you've, you've done a lot for somebody. And then I think, you know, offer if, so some people don't want your, your suggestions. Um, I come up against that every day, but you know, if they do, then offer, because there's tons of resources out there. So offer your pastor, you know, to see their family doctor. Emergency, if people can't get in to see their family doctors right now. Work programs have like employee assistance programs where you can get counseling, and there's the kids' helpline, you know, their mental health crisis lines. Um, and now we can put up that slide about the resources if it's not up. So the government, sometimes doesn't pay for a lot of things that I think they should pay for. But in the pandemic, they've recognized the significance of people's mental health struggles, and they're actually providing some free resources for people. So you can write that stuff down or take a picture, but those are places that you can go online and get hooked up with a social worker. They have things especially for depression and for anxiety, but a lot of excellent resources that are free because these things don't come uh, very cheap. And I think, you know, you can offer accountability to people. Ask them, do check-ins with them. Ask them to go for a walk together because people sort of in the pandemic weren't necessarily looking after their physical health. So that's another thing you can do. 
And I think that there are a couple of resources, which I think is the next slide. You know, if, if it's some people aren't able to get into their doctor or they're hesitant to go into their doctor, they're not sure is what I'm feeling just like pandemic stuff is it, or is it something more? And there are a couple of skills that you can do called the PHQ-9, you can look it up online or the GAD-7. These are screens for anxiety and for depression. And you just basically think about the last two weeks in life and then they're gonna ask you a bunch of questions and say like, how often have you thought about these things? It's not something I would recommend that you just do and then keep that sort of with yourself, but it's something that you could do and that might say, hey, like I scored fairly high on that. Maybe I need to reach out. So if it's difficult to reach out, those are a couple things that you could just do on your own to maybe see where, where you're at with things. Wow, excellent resources. And just so everybody knows, uh, these slides are on our website uh, under today's sermon heading and uh, message heading. So. Uh, if you want to go back and, uh, you know, get caught up on these links, you can find it on the website under the message page to this particular date. And those slides will be up there for people to grab at a later time. Um, I'm, I'm really struck at the fact that you, you've brought up the empathy card again. Um, that's, that's been a big part of the conversation. And, and you know, I want to I speak to all the Christians here this morning. I, I think that's a really big piece of what it means to be a, a believer in this day and age. Um, I, I think you know the non-judgmental aspect, the, the being more empathetic. I, I think that's the way of Jesus, as, as Drew would have said last week. And I think that's a big message for each and every one of us um, to hear that again, because um, it's so important for us to be the church at this particular juncture in time. Um, now, control is an illusion, but are there ways for people to feel like they have some control again and at least a sense of equilibrium? Um, what are some helpful practices that you would recommend to people? So again, you know, as Christians, we recognize that God is in control, and that's a huge hope and a comfort to us. And you know, Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds every, anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And this is really true, but it's also a little bit like saying faith over fear, which we heard John, John's thoughts about that statement uh, the other week, which is not that simple. Right? We know that God is sovereign and is in control, but he also gave us help and he gave us resources and he gave us grace to use for ourselves and to use uh, with others who we come in contact with. So I think the biggest thing is there are many things in this pandemic that none of us can control and that can be really frustrating. But I think focus on the things that we do have control over. And, and when I look at things, I think, you know, we can control our minds. We can control what we think about. We can control what we watch and what we listen to and, and who we hang around. And I mean, Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So keeping our minds focused. My mantra in the pandemic has been look up and look out. Because if I look up, I'm looking at God, and if I'm looking out, I'm looking at others, and that hopefully uh, keeps me from looking inwards at myself. And so that's, for me, been a, a helpful thing. But it is still my mantra, so I have not uh, conquered that. I think, you know, check in and know how you're doing. So check in with yourself. Don't just let, you know, months go by and not know sort of what you're doing and, and figure out what 
what can help you. Um, some friends and I, when the pandemic started, did a little book club together. And you'd think, we're in a pandemic. We should do something like really light and fluffy and something like that. And the book we chose to read was called Burnout. Um, <laughs> so that maybe tells you a little bit where my, our mental health was at. But this is an excellent book. It's by Emily Nagoski and her sister, Amelia Nagoski. And one is a PhD, a health educator, and another has a doctorate of music. And these sisters talk about burnout. And if these things resonate with you, emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, the depletion of empathy, caring, and compassion, or a decreased sense of accomplishment, a sense of futility. A, you could get their book, but they talk about emotions being tunnels. And we all have emotions, but if we get stuck in our emotions, we never get out of the tunnel. And then they just build up, and they build up, and they build up. And then you have mental consequences and physical consequences. So one of the things they talk about is completing the stress cycle. So this is another thing that you can do with your mind. And they talked about the things that they had found. And you have to find what works for you. They said that physical activity is the single most efficient strategy for completing the stress response cycle. And you don't have to be a runner, but you can just dance. You can jump. You can do whatever. Just get yourself moving. They said, you know, breathing can help. And there are some apps. There's a call map that has, I think, is still a free portion that can do breathing exercises and meditation. They said positive social interaction and not just really deep and intimate connections, but just casual things. Like as you're walking down the street, even if you've got your mask on, you know, smile with your eyes and say hi to your neighbor. And they said that makes a difference for people. They said laughter, and for sure that's a thing for me. They said affection is definitely something which has been a difficult thing in the pandemic. So affection is good, hugging. A big old cry. Sometimes you just need to cry it out and people will feel better. And then they said creative expression. And everybody can be creative. You don't have to be an artist. You don't have to be a musician. But you can be creative in your own way. And we saw a lot of that in people's baking at the beginning of the <laughs> pandemic. So, you know, be creative and, and bring these things kind of into your, your regular schedule. And gratitude is something that is, uh, it is an attitude, but it's a practice. And again, there are good studies that gratitude decreases anxiety. So if you wake up every day and you try and think about a couple things that you're thankful for, you're starting your mind off in a good way. If you wake up every day and you talk to God, you're starting your mind off in a good way. And then we can control our time and our bodies. You know, what we do with our time. Are we numbing ourselves? Are we drinking a bit too much alcohol? Are we eating a bit too much chips? Are we, uh, no, no dig at John, because that's my favorite snag also, but are we watching too much TV? Are we on social media too much? You know, don't numb your body. Is it actually doing good things for you? And, you know, do you have healthy ways to be able to get your frustration out? And, you know, what kind of fills your joy tank? What, what things make you happy in life? And then what things kind of deplete your joy tank? And you want to try and find some, some kind of balance. So we can choose what we do, you know, with those things. Nice short answer. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that was very, very helpful. I, I, like, I'm, I'm going to go back because I got to make that list. Actually, send me your notes, will you? <laughs> um, well, you mentioned the Calm app. I think just, re just this week I read it's the number one health app in the world. Okay. Yeah, it's just been named the number one health app in the world, Calm. So um, it's interesting that you, you mentioned that. Now, here's, a, here's a, a difficult question. I think it's a difficult Have we created um, unintentionally a culture of fear? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so. You know, for all the things we've talked about so far, and there have been things to be reasonably fearful about in the pandemic, right? This is like real and this is affects a lot of people. But I think the culture of fear was here before the pandemic and especially, you know, this culture of fear of uh, things that are different things that we don't know, people who are different, people who think differently, people who look differently. And I think that's just been really highlighted by the fear that's come out in the pandemic. Yeah. So, yeah. so how do we get people, you know, engaged again and, and motivated again and, you know, a sense of, like I, because I, I sense a, a spirit of futility in a lot of people, right? How do we get them excited about getting motivated again? I think in terms of COVID, I mean, again, get, give, we need to give good information and people need to get good information. I think we need to create safe environments where people can question things and disagree on things in really loving ways. And I was just listening, I'm listening to a book and they talked about, you know, the tension between truth and grace. And especially in Christians, I think as you were talking about, you know, we have our truth, but then we really have to balance that with grace. And I think that that is a good thing. And I mean, you know, I'm a doctor, I am pro-vaccination. So, I mean, with vaccination, we know that vaccination really has made a difference. So, you know, it's great to see everybody who's in church and it's great to see everybody who's at church but not with us, but definitely we had more people here before. But I mean, vaccination, even with the Delta variant, vaccination really decreases. It decreases the risk when you're fully vaccinated at getting COVID by like 86%. It decreases the risk of hospitalization by about 95%. It decreases the risk of ICU admission by about 98%. So, I mean, a lot of the things that we were really fearful about before we figured out that the things that we're doing are working and thank you for everything that you're doing, but because they're working, we can now continue to do those things and try and like get back to life and get back to looking after ourselves as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah excellent. Um, what is your biggest concern about people's health and well-being um, during this season? Is, is there one thing that sort of has you, has you really concerned as a doctor? Yeah, I think, again, it probably honestly comes back to mental health and just people connecting, right? Because there have been so many things in the pandemic that could isolate us, that could move us away from each other as opposed to, you know, moving towards each other. So I think that's the biggest thing, looking out and looking after yourself and checking in, but looking out for those around you, not just your family and your friends, but people who are in your neighborhood and people you might not agree with about things. I think it's just really getting back to kind of loving people. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission right. and, and because the church still is the church and its primary role is really important in the world, pandemic or not. Um, what hopeful signs are you seeing on the medical horizon? Yeah, this was honestly probably like the trickiest question that, <laughs> <laughs> that you asked, not to take away from hope, because I said it wasn't going to do that. But I think there is, I think we are figuring things out. We don't have it perfect and the virus changes as viruses do, but I think we are figuring out that vaccines work and we've had bumps along the way and there's nothing that doesn't have some risk with it and vaccines and medications are not exempt from that. But overall, I think they work and they work well. I think we're figuring out how to balance, you know, vaccines versus 
PPE, personal protective stuff like masking and distancing and, and we're figuring out how to sort of balance all that together. They're working on, and I'm glad they've taken time, but they're working on how do we protect kids that are under 12, right? We're not rushing ahead on that. We're taking time and figuring that out. So I think there are a lot of things that, um, yeah, that we're seeing that are hopeful. And they've started, they are doing some booster shots for a very limited amount of people for nursing home patients and a very small amount of people who have some medical conditions that may benefit from it. So I think we keep learning and, and uh, you know, we're, we're not stopping this fight. So I think there's a lot of hope. Yeah, so, you know, I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe you can validate it, but I, but I hear because of all the new technology that has gone into the vaccines with the pandemic, they're starting to investigate some of that for other things like cancer. Right, and, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. And I mean, this is not completely new technology. They've used it before for Zika and things, but never on a global basis like we've used it. And I think even thinking about, you know, there's the variants of concern, and then there are some variants of interest that haven't reached the variants of concern level, like the Delta. And the great thing about this technology is you can tweak the technology, and if we need to tweak the vaccines because of new variants, then, you know, they're going to have that ability, which yeah. is great. That is really good. So in, in closing, is there anything that you, um, any tips you would like to give uh, to people um, as we close out this session about, you know, how to move forward or anything that you want to leave behind? Right. So again, so I like to tell people, you know, things that they can do to change things. So here we go. Um, so I think the first thing is, you know, figure out like, where am I right now? How are you doing spiritually? And how are you doing emotionally? And how are you doing physically? Because people like, you know, we talked about the COVID-19 as a disease, and then we talked about the COVID-19 pounds that people might gain from all the baking. So, and I'm not exempt from that, I'm just saying. But, you know, like Ali said, fall is a good time for a reboot, right? It's a new season, we're in a new place, it's the first start that church is open, so it's a good time to restart again. And every day God gives us another 24 hours. So if you've had a bad day yesterday, tomorrow's a new day, so you can start again. I think, you know, do a personal check on yourself and see where you are, and maybe you do that once a day, and maybe you do that once a week, or maybe you do that once an hour, depending, you know, how you're doing. I think make an action plan. So if we just sit, then nothing changes. If we don't change anything, then nothing changes. And somebody said, you know, God can't steer a parked car because nothing moves. So um, we're into goals. And I think if everybody can go home today and make one goal about something different you can do to help your health in some way, and it doesn't have to be big. We're into the SMART goals, you know, goals that are specific and goals that are measurable, goals that are attainable and realistic and timely so you can check yourself. Because a lot of people come into the office and say, I am going to eat better. And I say, that doesn't mean anything because it doesn't translate into anything. So you got to be specific. And then I think reconnect, right? Reconnect with church, reconnect with people, reconnect with God. If you've gone away from God, this is just a great opportunity to, to take some action and do that. Wow. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being here and thank you for helping us conclude this series. Um, I hope it's been meaningful um, for you. I hope you've learned, you know, not just, you know, information about what is happening in the world around us, but practical steps as, as to how to navigate this season and come out, you know, better, you know, physically, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So um, this has been a very important, I know I've taken a lot of very practical things away, and I hope you have too. I want to thank you again 
for being here, Jill, and thank you for uh, the other two guests that were here. And uh, again, um, you know, as a church, we want to be serving you as best as possible. And if you don't understand or realize this, we are a church that loves you, that cares about you. And that's why we put on something like this to sort of help you navigate uh, in your own life the difficulties that you may be experiencing because of COVID. So, you know, um, uh, as, as we conclude this, I, I just want to take a moment to pray and to just bless this time together. And also remind you that starting next week, we're starting a brand new series, Believe 101, about what it is to be a Christian. What does it mean when we say we believe in Jesus Christ? What, is, what are our personal responsibilities, the responsibilities of the church? And, you know, what difference can we make in the world? And I think one of the things that's really been meaningful about these last three weeks is that it's making a difference in people's lives from what we've heard and what we've understood. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for the expertise and the wisdom that we have been blessed with these last few weeks. Thank you for uh, Dr. Jill being here this morning and just communicating her expertise and wisdom as well. And Lord, I pray, whether in person or online, that we have heard something that is going to help us feel more hopeful and give us a desire and a motivation to do something that's going to improve where we are right now. And Lord, there's many of us who are going to admit that we're just fine and we're just healthy and we're okay and we're managing this you know, really well. But I want even, even those of us who are claiming that to pause and to say we can even be better that God wants the best for us, and I want to live my best life because I want to fulfill what God's plan and purpose is for my own life. Lord, I, I just pray that there, if there are any who uh, are not believers and, and not uh, people who have made a proclamation of faith, that these last few weeks will just move them into a place where they can say, Lord, I want to follow you, and I want to follow you faithfully. Thank you for what we've heard. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your sacrifice and, and the salvation that can be mine through faith. So, Lord, I want to pray for those who have that opportunity to ask Jesus into their life right now. And, Lord, I just thank you as we close with this last song for the series that we put on and looking forward to the weeks that lie ahead as we learn more about what it means to believe. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.